Did a young NFC South running back finally cement himself as the man this year and going forward? Has an AFC South rusher moved past many other pass-catching running backs in the first round? And what NFC East tight end situation is about to get real next season? Plus, Steve Liska, Matt Walters, Rick Victor, and Brian Winters, the 11th place finishers in the 2020 FFPC main event, will hang out with us tonight to talk teamwork in high-stakes fantasy football, the value of season-long sacking and drafts, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, I want to bring this up to you right away at the top of the show. You said on these airwaves last week, you had a really good feeling. You said a I was going to win a lot of money in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, which you can check out and join at kffsd.com. And I was like, well, I hope you're right. You know, we'll see what happens. And, you know, I I was watching the Christmas Day game uh, between the Vikings and the Saints. uh, I was actually at my folks' house in uh, northeast Wisconsin here. And, you know, my brother was in town um, from from Milwaukee, and and we were talking, and I – I said to him, okay, here we go, Alvin Kamara, four touchdown game. Here we go. And uh, then he got the two early ones. I'm like, all right, I, 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 it's, it's now five. He's got to get five touchdowns this game, which was an insane number. And uh, then he got the fifth. He got stoned on the sixth. They, uh, Sean Payton put Taysom Hill in to, to run the sixth. But then he gets the magical tight end pass, the Troutman, to, for the layup touchdown for his sixth touchdown of the day. And I said, Okay, clearly Farrell Elliott had a, had a hand in this because my team in the KFFSC checkered flag championship vaulted up into first place with a commanding like 20-plus point lead or something like that, and we, we basically coasted uh, the rest of the way and ended up winning the whole thing. So I got to tell you, man, I don't know what sort of Nostradamus crystal ball you were working with, but you were dead on accurate last week, and I thank you. Oh, it was such a pleasure, Balky, to see you do well. You know, you're expected to do well. There's a high expectation for you to come here and do well, and you certainly have this year. In addition to your checkered flag, Balky, uh, you should tell the listeners in our main event, the competitive 12-team divisions, you were the early bird champion. Some of the best uh, best players we have in Kentucky got up early to draft in that one. And the uh, silver division, which is a Sunday draft, uh, the keystone day of our event, uh, you took home that divisional championship, too. You, you beat out our uh, friends Petrie and Larson, and uh, you also beat out Robbie Fetcher for that checkered flag title. And, yes, you won by 20 points, and it is outstanding. Congratulations, my I, friend. Well, thank you so much. I actually got a nice note from Darren Larson today um, congratulating me on the checkered flag. And I, I've been so busy today with I, – I, I just – I'm going to allude to what I was just doing – before um, we, we came on the air tonight, but um, shortly, but uh, Petrie and Larson, Frying Pan Inc., the, the 2020 Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship champions could not go to a more deserving, hardworking pair. 
they work hard and they work well together. They're they're tremendous complementary guys uh, of each other. And besides that, they have one hell of a blast doing it. And you know, you call these guys <laughs> on the phone. They're always excited to hear from you and talk fantasy football. I talked to them a little bit today. They'll be back, uh, you know, what goes along with their KFFSC championship, the trophy and the $15,000, is an FFPC bid. They will uh, make the trip to the FFPC uh, in September. They will play uh, on our dime and with with, uh, our blessings to hopefully take home a major championship in the FFPC. And I think they will be – increasing their territory from the teams that they played last year, which is a good idea for everyone who is successful at the levels uh, that uh, Balky and uh, Petrie and Larson are. Yeah, Petrie and Larson, they're, they're the combo that you, you, you brag about competing against, but when you get to the draft table, you're like, oh, great, i got to put up with these guys. You know, it's one of those things. <laughs> you know, it's a catch-22 because you want to compete against the best, but you actually have to compete against the best, too. Um, we'll talk more, uh, Kentucky, I'm sure, on the show tonight. Uh, we're also going to explore the Rams running back situation uh, as far as 2021 drafts go. We're going to talk about how Michael Thomas's draft capital is going to change with Drew Brees uh, not slinging him the rock in, in 2021. And then something we've never done on the show uh, coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to have four guests on. I Quite frankly, and I'm, I'm not spilling the beans here, um, I don't know if this is going to work, but we have – we have um, um, some backups in place just in case the software doesn't allow it. But Steve Liska, Matt Walters, Rick Victor, and Brian Winters, uh, who are leading the main event in the FFPC coming into Week 15, um, they, they didn't have the week that they needed. They still finished 11th out of 2,000-plus teams, which is incredible. And we're going to talk to them uh, about their magical ride this year. Uh, that is coming up, like I say, in about 10 minutes here. Shout-out to the chat room right now. If you guys have any questions, just post them right in there. You can follow us at HSFFL, or you can follow me at, at Eric Balkman. Obviously, check out Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFFL is where to reach us there. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. Uh, you can also email the show at the inbox, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Send those questions in now. Our producer and my, uh, my mutual uh, – excuse me, our producer – and my mutual, our mutual friend Rob, as well as my best yep. friend Bryson, audio engineer, uh, will uh, will get to those as much as we can tonight. Okay, so the reason I'm so excited tonight is literally less than ten minutes before uh, we we came on the air tonight. I just finished my conversation with the first ever back-to-back Football Guys Players mm. Championship winner, Abib Agbatoba. He will be on the road of his high stakes lowdown coming up Thursday morning. Here, just hours away from. Uh, what we're recording here tonight on the HSFF Hour. Had a lovely conversation with him, very insightful conversation. Uh, really good stuff. If you like entertainment, if you like fantasy football, if you like both, it's for you. That will be at rotaviz.com slash podcast tomorrow. Don't forget to register for the 2021 World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge. And the Football Guys Playoff Challenge is here for year two. Whether you want to spend 200 to try to win half million, uh, a half million dollars, or if you want to spend $35, to try to win $100,000. These are deep, deep, deep payout uh, contests. Um, you don't necessarily have to finish in the top 15 or top 20 to cash. You can finish in the top 700 or the top 1,100 to cash in those. So check those out, myffpc.com. All right, let's get into it tonight. Football guys, Draft Sharks, Riverwolf, and Rob are responsible for tonight's fantasy flash. Let's talk Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, God, we're it's heavy hitting tonight here to kick it off, Daryl. According to the NFL Network, Jaguars coach Doug Marone said that James Robinson is officially shut down for the season. What an incredible find he was in fantasy football this year. Whether you picked him up off the waiver wire, whether you drafted him in the mid-rounds in the FFPC main event in September, he was incredible for you. Now, he didn't play week 16 either, so in 14 games, James Robinson, 1,414 total yards from, uh, yards from scrimmage, excuse me, 4.5 yards per carry and 10, count them, 10 touchdowns. I believe he came up 35 yards short of the highest um, uh, rushing yardage total for an undrafted running back. Absolutely insane considering it was one of the worst teams in football. And um, when you consider with, with what Jacksonville is expected to do with the number one pick, in drafting Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson, 
Farrell, you would think that James Robinson is going to be the guy in that backfield going forward. So when we look to 2021 drafts, can people feel good about drafting him in the first round? Or is he more of a second oh. or third round pick? How do you James Robinson going forward? I don't think you can overdraft James Robinson bulk. You know, there's a lot of guys in the real estate business that, that play in the fantasy football leagues. They'll, they'll go in and look at a home, and they'll talk about a home having good bones. And this team in Jacksonville, they, they were competitive in some games. Their problem is a quarterback. They're last in quarterback in the league. They're also 31st in quarterback salary, $2.7 million to all three of those guys. Now, they're going to have to pay to draft Trevor Lawrence with a number one pick, and, and they'll pay upwards of $40 million, somewhere between 37 to $40 million for four years plus the fifth-year option. But what they'll be getting is a bargain at that price. He'll still be below – uh, the numbers of uh, most of the extended contracts and quarterbacks. There are $25 million of cap space right now. Uh, Cam Robinson is at left tackle out of Alabama, 25 years old. Uh, Jawan Taylor, who played better as the year went on. He's the right tackle, 23 years old. And, you know, if you're a quarterback, uh, this, this kid grew up, Trevor Lawrence, at Cartersville, Georgia. That's 400 miles from Jacksonville, Bulky, uh, you know that's that's closer. Uh, he's he's closer to Jacksonville than you are to your second home here in Louisville. And um, <laughs> you know they they they've got a, a GM, uh, with a, a former Forty Nine er fame, uh, Trent Balky. I mean, how can you go wrong with a name like that? And look at you their can. receiver course. You know, look at the receiver course. And and so he's he's inheriting some good things on the. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, proper free agency uh, led by Trent Baalke. This team is not uh, – this team is better than their record. They're more competitive than their record, and they've got good players to put around this guy. When you have a left tackle and a right tackle that you can play the next 10 years with, Trevor Lawrence is going to uh, a place where he's going to be very comfortable, very successful. That will lead to James Robinson's success – you can expect big things for James Robson. Good wide receiver crop in the 2021 draft as well. They certainly can add somebody to play opposite DJ Chark. Don't forget they got already got LaVisca Chenault there too. So Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence is entering that situation with some weapons as well. Let's talk about another uh, Florida uh, running back situation here. Um, it was announced this week that Ronald Jones has been activated from the COVID-19 list for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know what his status is with his finger, but I do know he has been practicing this week. So this is good news, and, and you would think he's going to play in uh, the Week 17 game against Atlanta. Farrell, um, it seems like ever since, nah, maybe even before Bruce Arians took over, the Buccaneers have been, ever, basically ever since they drafted Ronald Jones, they've been looking for a way to replace him with somebody, whether it be Leonard Fournette, whether it be Kishon Vaughn, LaShawn McCoy, whatever. They, they've never really anointed him as the guy. Um, I'm curious, given what he's done this year, given how high up he is in the NFC uh, rushing yardage totals, has he done enough to, to, to trust him as the main guy in 2020? And bear in mind, LaShawn McCoy is a, a shadow of himself. Uh, Kishon Vaughn is only getting opportunities in garbage time, essentially. And Leonard Fournette's a free agent. How do you draft Ronald Jones in, in 2021 knowing all those things? And, yes, I know it's a leading question, getting you to say, bulky, you got to draft him high. How do you feel about him? Um, this is a team that is dedicated to running back by committee. They're never going to escape that. Ronald Jones, you know, his breakthrough game um, most recently was against Carolina, 192 yards on 23 carries. He came back and was, was – relegated to 10, nine carries again. Um, yeah, Fournette has, has been good. Um, I agree with what you said with Vaughn, but Vaughn does add a spark to the backfield, and as he gets it, he'll get better. And they're going to need all these guys uh, this weekend. The Falcons' defense has stiffened. Um, previously, uh, I think uh, I think Fournette, uh, last week, nine for 34 and three catches. You know, they're going to piece together three guys that will get them 120 yards on the ground, and I think Jones is part of that. Now, so to answer your question, the more the, the proper question is, how do I figure out this committee? And, you know, some of us just, just run from a committee. 
you know, you, you just don't want to be part of that in the draft. It will it will deflate the uh, it will deflate the draft uh, the ADP for Ronald Jones. And the more he gets deflated, he's the guy that has the chance to emerge. So the more it gets deflated, the more valuable he'll be. I expect him to have more Carolina games like games in the future. He only needs six or eight more carries a game. That's two carries a quarter to get into the position of giving you fantasy numbers that you can uh, win a championship with based on where he's drafted. Team 500 grand is coming up just in a, a minute or two here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Before we get to them, I do want to bring up another what could be a running back by committee situation, as you just mentioned, Farrell, with Tampa Bay. Um, what about the Los Angeles Rams going forward? Now, Daryl Henderson got placed on, mm-hmm. on IR. He had a high ankle sprain um, this past week. And what's interesting about that is Cam Akers is already dealing with a high ankle sprain. So for at least week 17, boy, the Rams are just they, they have nobody left. Jared Goff probably not playing. Cooper Cup probably not playing. It's going to be the Malcolm Brown show, at least in the backfield. But knowing what they invested in Cam Akers, Farrell, knowing what they invested in Daryl Henderson, is that what I mean, is, is it Occam's razor here? The most obvious explanation is what you should go with. Is it Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson in an RBBC again next year? Yes, I think so, but I believe Akers is going to get a 60-40 split. And uh, the the coach coach couldn't make his decision about who the running back would be, and fate decided it for him. Now, Malcolm Brown can do some things uh, out of this backfield, uh, but he, uh, again, this is where the committee, when you, when you have Brown involved, that's where the committee looks much, much better, and he looks much better playing along with those guys. Now, everyone should uh, take a look. I had a uh, good friend, Richard Ross, as an Arizona hotshot, and I said, uh, Richard's a wide receiver and uh, recently retired from football. And he, I, I said, Richard, who's quarterback going to be? He said, ah, we've got this kid from Carolina. Of course, he's from Wake Forest, but he meant North Carolina. <laughs> we've got this kid from Cor- uh, Walford, Wafford, or something like that. And, uh, you know, he's – this kid can swing it, and he, the Rams are going to be fun to watch. This is why you watch NFL football when guys are given the chance and really have to step up. This is next man football at its best. Malcolm Brown gets a chance. Next year, I think Henderson and I think Akers are two very, very talented running backs. Coach needs to get a little more imaginative. Coach needs to really push his foot down on the gas and try to score points like Kansas City does, and like the prolific teams with offenses do. Rams have that offense. They just need to get some play calling and play with a little passion and authority, and they'll get there too. All right, Farrell, this is, uh, listen, uh, great stuff from you. We're going to get into much more with 2021 drafts going forward with, I believe, the FFPC opening up drafts uh, coming up within the next two or three weeks. We'll get some best balls cranking up, um, obviously, with the playoff challenge stuff. We're going to focus on that the next couple of weeks. Before we get into all that, let's bring in uh, tonight's guest, something we've never done on the show before. We're going to try to bring in four guests. I think it's going to work. We'll see. We're about to find out in the next couple minutes here. They are all friends (laughs) who met uh, during uh, college years ago and shared a fantasy football hobby that obviously became very lucrative for them this season. They fell from the top spot after week 15 in the 2020 FFPC main event. However, they did still manage to beat out more than a couple thousand teams to finish in 11th place overall. I want you to welcome on Steve Liska, Matt Walters, Rick Victor, and Brian Winters to the show. Guys, thanks for joining us, and early Happy New Year to, to you all. The first question I'm going to throw to you is, is to Steve. I know you were hoping for 500 grand, but knowing that you guys have been friends for, for many, many years, this whole season had to be an incredible ride for you guys. Bucky, who's going to take it? The ball's out there. And nobody's I, I falling on. Steve. <laughs> Steve, are you there? Do you have you, Steve? Is Steve on? We may not this have is Matt. We... Matt, Matt, go ahead. We'll, 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 we'll yeah, Matt fell on you. the ball. Go, Matt. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the wonders uh, of live radio. So, Matt, so. So, well, Ash, Ash, I should ask you this right away. Before we talk about the Wild Rush, what college did you guys all go to? Uh, we all went to Lawrence University, which is a small um, liberal, arts, liberal arts college in um, Appleton, Wisconsin. Yeah. 
level. Farrell, this is insane. Like, literally, I am doing the show from my house, which is probably, I don't know, less than a mile away from Lawrence. I can't believe you guys don't went to Lawrence. This is crazy. This is unbelievable. We we know it's really proven that it is a small world. Yeah, we were class of 2000 and class of 2002. Dude, this is awesome. This is fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Lawrence University. I had no idea. No, this, this is crazy. Okay, so, so let's get into this. Um, I, I'm going to see if we still – I'm going to see if I can reset things with, with Steve here and see if we can bring him on. But um, I, before we talk fantasy football, I want you guys to tell all the listeners um, what you're doing for a living now after, after your graduation from Lawrence, which is awesome. Uh, Matt, you can go first. Then I want to get Rick and then Brian and then Steve go ahead right at the end after Brian. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm a, a practicing pathologist in Green Bay and I'm looking at trying to start up a little microbrewery up there as well. So I'll be wearing a couple of hats here soon. And this is Rick. Uh, I'm a director of sales operations for a chain of health clubs in the city of Chicago. Go Bears. And uh, this is Brian. I'm a transactional attorney in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Go Pack. <laughs> uh, this, uh, the fact that we have so many Packers and Tom, uh, I'm still swimming from Lawrence University. This is crazy. Um, Steve is reconnecting <laughs> right now, so we will get Steve on uh, shortly here. So uh, the, the first question I'm going to pose to, to Matt here, um, $500,000 in, uh, going into the final week. Um, what were, so what were the conversations sort of like when, when it came to you guys when – uh, as far as lineup setting goes, when you knew you were playing for a half million dollars, Matt? Yeah, crazy enough, it almost seemed like most of our conversations were about, you know, decisions from prior weeks that maybe weren't the most perfect decision at the time. But, you know, the way uh, the COVID situation works out for, for certain players on our team, and, and it, there really just weren't – it didn't end up being that many um, different positions to fill in our lineup. It ended up being a question of flex two versus kind of uh, Jarvis Landry versus Melvin Gordon. We had Ronald Jones, you know, pegged for that spot as well, but there were injuries, you know, Ronald Jones broke his finger and then Landry ended on the COVID list. So it was almost, you know, in a, in a large way, our decisions were kind of made for us, even though we tried to have as much depth on our team as possible. We did discuss our defense slot. We, we pretty early, in the in the season when we were, were convinced we had a pretty decent team, we we pegged trying to pick up some defenses that we thought would have pretty good matchups later in the year. So we did talk about Seattle and against Cleveland or, or Cleveland, and just you know I mean just everybody in the world said Cleveland had the best matchup, of course, going into last weekend, and then they laid an egg for us. But uh, you know, in a lot of ways, there, there just weren't that many discussions to be had. We we went with our studs, and then the guys that were healthy. <laughs> So, so the, I, and I think we got Steve. I, I, I let let me get this out real quick. I think we got Steve back sure. on. I want to test it here uh, live on uh, on the air here. Um, Steve, are are you with us right now? Steve Liska, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here. I'm talking. Can you hear me? Perfect. You are Hello? coming through. Great. Okay. So this is the All question right. I have for you, Steve. Is you guys are are the the foursome that you have? Uh, that this this force that you have formed that almost took down yeah. the FFPC main event, still relatively new to high-stakes fantasy football in the FFPC. Can you kind of tell us how you, the four of you sort of got together to, to, to try it? And I know you played last year as well and, and did, very, did very well. Um, how how you, you guys formed um, your joint forces here to try to take down this main event between you, Matt, Brian, and Rick? Sure, yeah. I mean um... – the four of us are uh, are all pretty close, even though we're in different different states right now. You know, Matt's in Green Bay, uh, Brian's in Milwaukee, Rick's in Chicago. They're kind of close, but I'm out in D.C. area, so I'm a bit further. But we we were doing separate leagues, and we were doing one league where we competed against each other. That kind of fell under until we were looking for something high stakes, you know, the highest we could find. So we 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 picked yours. We had uh, we had a good team. We somehow won the one seed. Our team actually wasn't that great. We didn't. Uh, we just were carried by New England defense. That was about it. Um, in the main year. event, I don't know. We probably weren't even. 
we probably weren't even top 300 last year in the main event, but it was fun. So we we certainly wanted to come back this year, and uh, and it was a, it was a wild ride. It was a great year. Farrell, I know you have a question for Rick when when you're talking about uh, the Alvin Kamara, uh, what he did on Christmas Day, as we alluded to at the top of the show. Well, Christmas Day was a magical fantasy football day, Balky, wasn't it? If you guys joined us late, you would have heard that Balky had big, big wins fueled by Camaro on Christmas Day. You know, uh, Balky, I'm, I'm going to move off that question. I'm, not, I'm going to try to wrap this up quickly. i got a lot of thoughts going through my mind. Um, guys, uh, you know, Balky sends over uh, – you know, on on our guys that are that are guests on the show, he he sends over a pretty complete dossier. I'm surprised he did not realize that you guys were graduates from Lawrence. But you know, and, and it could be called bio or one sheet. I call it dossier because when you use French words, people think you're smarter. But uh, you know, I, I really, I, I, I really, what was attached to that dossier was photographs of you guys and. and you guys are an interesting uh, quatre there. You are, uh, you, you know, you look like you look like if Danny, if Danny Oceans, aka George Clooney, was recruiting for Ocean's 14 to take down Vegas, <laughs> you would be the guys. And so I look at this. You, you guys have, have different uh, talents and temperaments and convictions, and I think it's beautiful what you've assembled here in such a short time. And your 11th place finish puts you in the .004 percentile of fantasy footballers. And I realized that, you know, whatever happened on Christmas Day, you had to enjoy what you were watching in football. But I realized that finishing 11th in this, uh, you guys are underachievers. This is is, – I'm expecting more. Uh, in the future, we're going to talk a little bit about 2021. So I know you had a great Christmas day, but uh, you're going to celebrate Christmas all year next year because you're probably going to come back and win this thing. What are you going to change about what you did this year as opposed to next year? And, yeah, you can talk about hanging out with the family and looking at winning this, uh, making this half-million-dollar name a reality. Rick, go ahead and take that one from Farrell. Yeah, sure, of course. You know, I, we, we actually, as soon as the season was over, we kind of ha- had that chat immediately as far as uh, mm-hmm. 2021 strategy. And so we discussed about, you know, where were we going to stack up more on tight end? You know, we, we did so well in value in getting Darren Waller in the fifth round yep. this year, mm. which we felt he could have easily gone, uh, you know, around earlier. Um, you know, we, we, we kind of, let that go for a while. It's funny because we ended up drafting Jay Sternberger from the Packers. We knew, we, we knew as a group, we knew, we, we felt as a group collectively, especially the Packer guys that a Packer tight end was going to, was going to, was going to make it big this year. Unfortunately, we picked the wrong one between Sternberger <laughs> because he had more, he had more hype last year than, than, than Tanyan, right? So yeah. mm-hmm. um, because he had more hype than Tanyan, we went that route. If we had gone Tanyan, or Tunyon, sorry, as as, as you know, properly pronounced. Uh, we had gone that route. Who knows? We may, you know, our standing would have been higher this year. Let's be honest. Um, so, you know, we, we we started looking at you know stacking more in the tight end, even if we have a strong TE one. You know, we had Kelsey last year, and unfortunately, Kelsey didn't do what he did this year. If Kelsey did what he mm-hmm. did this year last year. Uh, we wouldn't have finished, as Steve said, in, you know, ranked number 300. We would have been in the top 100 again last year. Um, you know, we, we, we said that for several of our guys this year, actually, where uh, guys we had last year actually performed better this year in, like, the playing the what-if what game. Um, One of my favorite in, lines in all of fantasy football is don't draft last year's team. And uh, right. I think you guys <laughs> yep. are past that curve. So, congratulations. Oh, oh for sure, yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, as far as other strategies go, you know, just, um, I think our balance at running back and receiver was great this year. Um, you know, I think you've alluded to, we tried a little bit too hard maybe to try to find that perfect defense earlier in the year. We drafted the 49ers again, that was literally the drafting last year's, uh, powerhouse this year. Um, and, and I think we will definitely revisit how we approach defense. Uh, going into 2021, 
Um, and uh, and again, I think I think probably tight end either either more tight ends. Our second, you know, tight end two earlier in the draft, or maybe three tight ends. Like by the time the draft is over, since we have 20 players to pick from, um, but those are definitely things we're going to look into closely. And Rick, you you guys, you no, know, listen, you weren't the only Packers fans that were on the Jay Sternberger uh, bandwagon. And I don't know if I was driving it, but I certainly was sitting shotgun at a minimum this mm-hmm. year. And I was Mr. Robert Tunyon last year. Like I was like, hey, Tunyon's going to be the guy. And then, you know, after the season was over, we found out he was dealing with that core muscle injury, and I kind of poo-pooed that. I'm like, nah, if he was going to show something, he would showed it last year. Well, it shows what I know about fantasy football, because Tunyon should have been a pro bowler this year, and Jay Sternberger was hurt most of the year. It's what we deal with. It's fantasy football. It's one of those things. I want to kick it over to Brian right now, because, um, with Brian, when we talk about, um, you know, sort of handling the, the drafting, the, the uh, putting the team together, bidding on players and trying to acquire players off the waiver wire, and then, of course, benching and, and uh, starting players on Sunday, it can be a little hairy. When you have three other co-owners, it certainly could be even more hairy. So how did you, how did the four, uh, four of you guys sort of handle this week in and week out to, to try to make the best possible decisions when you had, you know, four kings making the calls every week? Yeah, that's a great question, and, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It really is because I think it's our secret sauce. I think it's why we've been so successful. You know, Steve and I being Packers fans, uh, Rick being a Bears fan, and Matt being a a, a Washington football team fan, uh, located in different areas across the country uh, with different viewpoints, hearing different radio channels and whatnot, uh, getting different, uh, you know, information from all over, but then also having different approaches. Like I'm a very watch every single game on Sunday ticket as possible, you know, give the eye test to these guys. You know, I played football back in college and I feel like, you know, I look at the game a different way than like Steve, Steve and I will butt heads a lot. He's an analytics kind of guy. He's a stats guy. He's looking at the box scores. He's not watching as many games. And then, you know, the other two guys do a bit of both. And I feel like, that combination and that diversity between all of us really is why we've been so successful and why we've been, uh, that is sort of our secret sauce, if you will. But I will tell you, uh, it creates a lot of struggle and a lot of uh, (laughs) messages on the WhatsApp app back and forth. And sometimes, you know, we, we, we look at each other and say, we are, we basically had a perfect season. I mean, we lost one game all season by like 0.4 points, which, you know, there's a lot of things that happened that, you know, we could have won that game. We end up 11th uh, overall in the grand, uh, you know, in the final championship. And, you know, we if, if you'd have read our text strings, it would have sounded like we didn't win a game all year the way we would beat up on each other nonstop. <laughs> but but that was the, the process that got us to be as successful as, as we are. That's excellent, guys. You know, my question, uh, I think I want to direct this one to Matt. I uh, – you know, I, I'm looking at some of the first round, and Michael Thomas, That I think that fits the description of last year's team, it's as high as he was going. And Edward Solari was, was so well-respected from his college career and, and then the opt-out by Williams, and, and he became a high draft pick. Miles Sanders was a media darling there in Philadelphia. They get a lot of preseason media. So you guys come in. And I'm here in Louisville, Kentucky, and Nashville is just three hours right down the road. You guys came in and took Derrick Henry, which I have always wondered why he doesn't go higher in the first round of dress. What led you to Henry, and congratulations on that pick, which led you to that building success that Henry always brings in in the last part of the season? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a good question, and unfortunately it has a kind of a hindsight um, answer to it as well. We really, if we're we're being honest with you, we wanted Camaro where we were, and of course Mm -hmm. that would have worked out great with his performance on Christmas Day, Um, but he was taking the pick right before us. So, you know, given given the names that you already suggested that we're all, you know, getting a lot of hype, um, a lot of us just love Derrick Henry and his, especially his performance, I think later in in the year, um, you know, he just seems to get better and better as the season goes on. And, 
you know, I think we had success last year and we were certainly hoping to have success this year and, and be around for the, for the later games and, and really hoping that Derek Henry could be that type of just workhorse that would have a huge game late in the year when we needed him. And, and I mean, and on the flip side, yeah, the hype was there for Clyde Edwards Lair and, and Miles Sanders. But I mean, like Brian alluded to, I'm a big Washington fan and I wasn't that high on Miles Sanders and, Mm-hmm. You know, um, New Orleans, I don't know if we, we, we thought that they were going to have quite the high power that they did. And, and I think we really did just want a running back, too, in the first round. A lot of people say, you know, you, can, you can't you can win a fantasy football draft in the first round, but you can you can lose it. And, you know, Derrick Henry, is, he's never going to be a losing pick for you. I think that's, that's a brilliant you know, answer. Where was. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that's important to you know sometimes we always look for the super upside in the first turn like oh what if Miles Sanders catches a hundred balls what if Clyde edwards Lair is is Kareem Hunt two point you know and and sometimes the easiest answer is like well how about the guy that's going to threaten two thousand rushing yards and and fifteen touchdowns maybe that's the guy we should go mm-hmm. with and and certainly I fell prey to that this year as well as I didn't have any shares of Derrick Henry that will be changing in twenty twenty one for sure. Steve, I'm going to throw this one to you. You guys uh, obviously hit big time on an eighth-round pick in a running back out of Tampa Bay by way of USC named Ronald Jones. Uh, Farrell was talking about him earlier. Uh, I think the fantasy community, especially the uh, the draft Twitter, fantasy draft Twitter, it, he was a pretty polarizing pick. And and I'm just kind of curious, what, what was it about Ronald Jones that made you guys want to pull the trigger on him there? Uh, good question. And uh, we we were reading these questions before, and I remember on draft night, um, looking back at our team, even at at the moment I was pissed, but at the very end, I said our single worst pick of the draft was number eight or eighth round Ronald Jones because Fournette was just coming on. He was getting all the hype. We had Ronald Jones last year. He's such a, he, he has incredible burst, but you know, the coach, he gives the coach headaches. He gives everybody headaches with just like an untimely, missed third and one or a fumble or a, a missed pass protection or whatever it is. So uh, I, I I really didn't like that, and I really wanted Debo. I said that's going to haunt us, and I tried taking side bets with everybody who who would do better, Debo or Ronald. Anyway, um, so we did like Ronald. He was on our board, but, um, but um, I, I can't say it was my first choice, um, but it was amazing to see his first his, – his 300-yard games early on and, and kind of – he still gave us headaches. He still – it's a weird team to figure out. Um, sometimes even in good matchups for running backs, they still seem to pass. And then this year, Mike Evans had, what, 10, 13 touchdowns from within the five-yard line? Something incredible. Yeah. Um, so he was, he was definitely taking away a lot from Ronald and Fournette. So that was that was frustrating. But um, – but yeah, he he had a great year. was was pretty durable till the very end there. Um, so can't complain about that. Let's see. I'm going to direct this one to Rick, but any of you guys can jump in here. I, um, you know, Balky and I have been through all the trends of fantasy football. The the zero running back. Remember that one, Balky? I mean, that was you know zero running back. That's a that's a big thing here in Kentucky where you have to start three wide receivers. And, you know, all these other – what do we do with the tight end? Oh, let's, let's draft a bunch of tight ends in the FFPC. But what I see now and, and what's been a road to success, especially with the Buffalo Bills, has been the stacks, stacking players from the same team. A very attractive wide receiver that for some reason was available in the sixth round, a quarterback that hadn't put it all together yet, but you knew he would. And then a question uh, – a question a little bit uh, at running back and a question about the veteran receiver Brown, but we see these, these stacks of Buffalo bills that you guys did. Now I got one question. There's four of you guys. I want to see some real stacks. I want a four player stack from a team. And with you guys, I'm going to ask where in the hell was Beasley as you made this great Buffalo plan. But Rick, <laughs> congratulations on that. But you know, Beasley was on the team too. He's a little guy, number eleven. He was on the team too. And there's four of you guys. I expect to see some four player stacks when I evaluate and look at your drafts. Uh hopefully in the FFPC we'll get to compete and then maybe we can even talk you guys into coming here. 
Where was Beasley? <laughs> did you consider Singletary? And why did you love the Bills so much when Diggs was going in the sixth round? Absolutely. Uh, that, 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 there's a lot of tears to that question. Uh, first off with Beasley, I think we actually – two things, two parts. One is I think we actually mm-hmm. had Beasley last year in our 2019 team um, who, who did decently well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we had him in some flex two or flex one spot. And, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it was one of those, um, you know, if you, were, if, you were, if you were projected to win, he was great to be in there. If you were projected to lose, um, you know, he wasn't giving you that ceiling. So you're like, uh, who on the squad can we, you know, can we move him for? That was kind of our strategy mm-hmm. for last year, uh, to be honest. And personally, you know, I, I did fantasy leagues and multiple other areas, FFPC and just like, you know, friend leagues. And I honestly mm-hmm. had four leagues outside of here, and I had Beasley in three of the four, including my, my personal FFPC. I had, I had mm-hmm. Beasley in a classic ball game, which I, I That's won. That's why I directed this question to you. I could feel the there Beasley presence coming to you. <laughs> yeah, so That's I, exactly why I, I asked you. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was Mr. Beasley number one hedge. Um, but moving on from that, um, so just to take you through our draft, you know, we had, we had a specific strategy for this year's draft. Um, I, mm-hmm. in, 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 you know, in, in reflecting, and I think this is still true. Um, you know, we were going for QB one for us. We were really looking at the old guard. We were kind of, were leaning towards uh, goat status. So we were looking at either breeze or Brady as our QB one. And then our QB mm-hmm. two, we were, we were kind of leaning towards, you know, someone with a high ceiling, somewhat still developmental, uh, kind of that, you know, as they call it, the Konami quarterback, you know, Konami, Konami you know, code quarterback. Yeah, the Konami code quarterback running passing. So we're looking at Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, and so on. Um, mm-hmm. We've gotten Breeze in the 11th. I mean, sorry, yeah, we got Breeze in the 11th round. Mm-hmm. And um, to proceed picking Breeze, we got ridiculous value from Dick. Uh, we got Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs in, I believe, the seventh round. So, like, a wow. round before Ronald Jones. And so, at the time, you know, he kept falling and falling. And, it, you know, everyone's kind of questioning whether a receiver, you know, regardless of how good he is, you know, a receiver going to a new team, especially not an elite quarterback, where do you place him? And so, we didn't want to – you know, we thought he was a top 15, 20 talent, but in a new team, would he be in that – Spot. So, you know, we let him fall into the 20th, 25th. By the time he got to us, I think we drafted him like wide receiver 32, 34, something like that. And at that point, we're like, this is ridiculous. Like, he's top 20 pounds, and he's a wide receiver one, so we have to go that route. So we drafted him. And at that point, we drafted him in seven. We got Breeze in the 10th or 11th, I think 11th maybe. And then at that point, I think we started looking just at the board, best available. I think once we drafted Breeze, we were really at a best available point or like mm-hmm. a flyer. We ended up getting Jefferson in the 13th, and that was great for us as well. And then wow. we're just like, oh, crap. And then we're like, oh, crap. We're like, Josh Allen is still available. And we almost, based on our own strategy, we almost overlooked the fact that Josh Allen was still around. And we looked at the board, and we saw that Stafford was drafted. We saw that Daniel Jones was drafted, and we're like, we want a strong QB, too. And after Josh Allen, it really gets dicey. So we're like, we almost felt like, even though it's weird to draft a quarterback in back-to-back rounds, um, it was almost a no-brainer at that point. So we picked him up. Now, the Josh Brown, the John Brown, you know, Smoke Brown pick, I think, honestly, was more of a, okay, Best case scenario, we can stack all three of them in the same mm-hmm. week on, on good matchups. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, Stephon Diggs goes down, and, and Smoke Brown yeah. does what he did last year, and we could still get, you know, high, wide, wide receiver two value. So it was almost like a bench stash, like safety net for if something happens to Diggs. Um, Balky, these guys have promised to be honest with us and have told us the complete story. And I've asked that question about all the stacks. I've said, did you have an accidental stack or did you go in with a plan? And everybody says, oh, plan, yeah, I had a plan, I had a plan. This is the accidental stack that that they adjusted in mid-draft and worked into and fell into and it paid dividends for them. I'm proud of them. Think what they would have done with Beasley. 
Well, you know, it's funny about that, Farrell, is I know it was an accident. My my right wrist is sore from taking notes about the the accident. You know, I finished 11th place in the FFPC main event. I still got to scribble all this down to make sure. I'm I got to remind you, we're 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 typing the show, Balky. You can you can listen to it again. You don't have to type. You know, we're typing. But Balky, can can you imagine these guys at, at live? At the FFPC or live in Kentucky, all four of them sitting at one spot on the table drafting. I got to see that. I, I would be intimidated for sure, and but I'd still love to see it, <laughs> no doubt. Um, you know what's interesting is, is and like and and we got a we got a few emails in this week. We probably only have a chance to get two of them read on the air tonight. And I think I'm um, Brian. I'm going to let you handle these, and I think I'm going to I'm going to be pitching them to the right guy here because they are uh, they are Packer related. Uh, the first one is Al in Concord, California. Uh, Brian, he writes, Hey guys, congrats on a great season. When you look at high stakes drafts in 2021, are you treating Devonte Adams in the first round? Like you treated Michael Thomas last season, or would you draft them even higher than some of the big name running backs? That is from Al in Concord, California. Al, thank you so much for the email. Yeah. Michael Thomas was going basically like five, six, seven, you know, right, right smack dab in that middle of the first round. Brian, does that seem like a good spot for Devontae Adams, given what we've seen so far this year with him and Rodgers? Or would you go higher on Devontae Adams in 2021? Well, you know, I think that I look at a draft differently than that. I, I mean, I think he if, he, if he can repeat or even come close to, and, and him and Rodgers continue to do what they're doing, I mean, he's worth a top five pick, no doubt, probably a top three pick, to be honest. But the bottom line is I look at our draft spot. I look at the board and I, I project out, we all do our, our whole team, our whole group projects out, you know, where we think, how we think the draft's going to fall. And, and if, if drafting a receiver early in that spot puts us in a bind with who we're going to end up getting on the second or third round, or maybe the fourth or fifth round, I probably wouldn't make, I wouldn't draft him that early. Now, you know, I'm more of a value guy. I like to take guys that I think we can get value for at the time. Uh, whether it's by average draft position or whatnot, um, and so I, you know, I would probably shy away from from drafting Adams in the, in the three or four spot, but he definitely could uh, keep that value potentially. But you're you're taking a bit more of a risk. I, I think it just depends on where where your pick falls in the in the top twelve, and then where you're coming back and who will be there, and, and again who will be there in the third round. So so. I don't know if I answered that question necessarily, but I, I think he has the value to hold up to that spot and be drafted ahead of running backs. I don't know that I would pull the trigger on that, but it, it depends on how you you see the first couple rounds mapping out. Uh, listen, no, listen, I'm a Packers fan here, and, and I love Devontae Adams, and, and I'm, I'm certainly rooting nothing but for the best for the Packers this year with, with Adams. But I'm going to bring this up. Dude has had a history of concussions in Green Bay. He has missed several games in Green Bay over the course of his career. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind in 2021 as well. He, you know, it, it, he's putting up video game numbers this year in, in uh, you know, for the Packers. And he missed like two, what was it, two or three weeks? It's insane, the numbers he's yep. putting up in, in limited time. So when you, when you go to the draft board next year and you think about Devontae Adams as the first receiver, I'm not going to talk you out of it, but there is something to be said about passing on him or somebody else. Keeping it on the Packers tip here, Brian. This is from Lou in Eagle, Idaho. He says, what's up, fellas? Not sure if you guys are playing in the FFPC Playoff Challenge, but how would you feel about playing A.J. Dillon over Aaron Jones since you can only play one guy per team in the competition, that is Lou in Eagle, Idaho. Lou, thank you so much for the email. This is interesting because when you're competing against, you know, thousands of other teams and you know you need to fade some chalk here, is Aaron Jones the chalk you fade in favor of A.J. Dillon? When, when you talk about competing against this many teams, Brian, is that something you're willing to do or are you still playing Aaron Jones over A.J. Dillon in the playoffs? I'd be playing Aaron Jones over AJ Dillon, but I'd, I'd probably be playing Devontae Adams over all of them. But uh, you know, Aaron Jones is the guy, and and you can see they've been they've been saving him all year, uh, only when they need him. I, I think you could see also in last week's game when Dillon started to play better, Aaron Jones was out there even though he was a little banged up. He wasn't going to lose his job. He's a fifth round guy. 
he's hungry. He's got a contract coming up. He's got the the gold Oakley shades. He's building a brand for himself. He's going to be a stud. It's money time, and he's going to be out there at money time. A.J. Dillon is, is a good guy to have. Uh, he'll be, you know, a good guy in the future. You know, Jamal Williams is a great uh, team guy as well. But, you know, you, you play A.J. Dillon, you, you better you better draft a couple – you better put a couple more entries in for your playoff uh, pool. <laughs> Just like it is money time, guys. In the FFPC, the playoff challenge means it's money time. And we're going to go rapid fire. We're going to hit it and get it. I want to do it in this order because I want each of your opinions – uh, we're going to go, let's see what order I want. Steve, Matt, Rick, and then Brian will finish this up. Guys, I want to know your number one pick that you've got to have on your FFPC playoff challenge roster, your number one pick, and and why you got to have him just very quickly. Uh, you get us uh, you get us started there, Steve. Uh, all right. I'm going, I mean, I'm going Devontae Adams, Green Bay. That's, that's probably my pick. He's too good. He's unstoppable. I mean, 17 touchdowns in 12 and a half games. Can't really say much more than that. Makes great sense. Matt, who you got? Yeah, in this, I think in the spirit of that last email question, setting yourself apart, I'd be interested in having a guy like Antonio Brown who could really, you know, go off and surprise nice. people and feel the radar. You see Tampa going far in playoffs? Well, <laughs> you should ask Steve that question. I... I <laughs> Only because it's a joke between all of us. But um, no, I mean probably not. But I can see him winning a game, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But a game, you know. And if you get a couple of big games out of him, enough. That's further than half of them will go. Rick, what about you? <laughs> uh, I mean, personally, I gotta go with Travis Kelsey. Um, yep. You know, when, when, when it's money on the table time, uh, Mahomes trusts Kelsey. It seems like more than anyone else. Even you know, tr- you know, even more than. Hill at times, and, you know, with the value of the tight end at the position, um, it's very rare that Kelsey will ever give you that, oh, you know, what happened, or he dropped that ball, or he blew that mm-hmm. opportunity. You know, he's just he's just Mr. Consistent. So, um, you think again, no matter what, the championship game and the, uh, the championship team and the playoff challenge will have Kelsey rostered? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, honestly, exactly. if I had to put my if I had to put my money down, I would say that the championship team would probably have Kelsey or at least someone who's running, you know, who's 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 going for it on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Put that money down. You guys got a nice track record for it, Mr. Winters. Take us home, please. Yeah. Well, Rick took my answer. I, I would definitely say Kelsey would be my first pick for sure. There's other uh, players he, available. He, Sure. Uh, <laughs> he's he's the number one, but uh, you know you got to look at Russell Wilson, what he's done all year. He's sputtered. He's uh, sputtered at the end of the year, but you know uh, they're likely going to be in the NFC Championship game, and um, you know, whether hopefully it's in Green Bay. Uh, but you know with that offense and, and and likely still a somewhat of a porous defense, they're they're going to be uh, he'll be putting up the numbers. So he's he's a solid solid pick to go with. So for, for anybody paying attention at home, if you're thinking about joining the FFPC Playoff Challenge or the Football Guys Playoff Challenge, the, the guys who finished 11th place in the main event this year, the guys who worked together to finish in 11th place, Russell Wilson, Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown, Travis Kelsey, there is your skeleton. You have eight more players to work with there, build your teams off that, and I feel like you will be in a good space. Uh, we were in a good space all night doing this show. What a tremendous uh, performance from all of you guys in the main event this year and a tremendous uh, entertainment and informational value on the show tonight. Steve Liska, Matt Walters, Rick Victor, and Brian Winters, our guests tonight, the 11th place overall finishers in the FFPC main event. Guys, I wish you nothing but the best in the playoff challenge should you choose to join. I wish you nothing but the best in your 2021 draft. And hail Vikings! Lawrence University. God bless you all. This was fun. <laughs> Light more light. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Oh, Thank you. Great. Thank you. Awesome stuff. Steve Liska, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Liska, Matt Walters, Rick Victor, and Brian Winters all popping aboard on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight to talk about their 11th place overall FFPC main event finish. Farrell, you know, you've been in, in Appleton for Mile Music. Did you ever catch... Any shows that, you know, I know the big, I should know this, the big hall 
and where they always have um, the surprise performances on Sunday night for Mile of Music. Um, have you ever been to, to Lawrence before? It's a it's a beautiful campus set in downtown Appleton. I've been in the hall. I've actually seen if anybody's familiar with the comedian Lewis Black. I saw him play. Uh-huh. Uh, well, not play, but I saw him perform um, at Lawrence University over the years. It's it's a good campus. It's a beautiful campus. Oh, it's great. Balky, one time uh, you and Dave were doing the show. You had me on as a guest. I was stuck between yep. sets backstage, and they started early. So, you know, I had to flee and find somewhere that I could join the show in. And I'm I'm just opening doors, and I ended up being in one of the uh, one of the better offices of, of someone at Lawrence University. They left their door open, <laughs> so I went in and made myself at home. I sat at this presidential-style <laughs> desk. And we did the show from Lawrence University. So, yes, I've been there, and I was made quite welcome, and I was quite at home, and I was not arrested for trespassing. So all those, you know, <laughs> all of that left a real good taste in my mouth uh, for Lawrence University. But, yeah, what a wonderful thing it is to join Milo Music in that great venue. Uh, Katie Bolt played there that night, and she was wonderful. Well, and, and, and I'll say this, too. The, the, uh, the bands um, that, that provide our intro and outro music – both uh, the Quiet Hollers and Frederick the Younger, seen them both perform at Mile of Music here in Northeast Wisconsin, Louisville's finest. And they really are, well, they're really the United States' finest, let's be quite frank here. It was awesome to see them at Mile of Music uh, every year. And I'll say this, as far as trespassing, Farrell, we got 70-plus thousand people here in Appleton. Everyone knows everybody. Nobody locks the doors here. That, that, that's yeah, just, I noticed uh, that. That's why, every, that's, why everyone loves, that's why everyone loves to come. Kristen DeAble, who talks about all the unrest in New Orleans, loves coming up there. She says she saw one policeman, and he was eating an ice cream cone, which I thought was great. You know, was, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's far, far You know what's funny? And, like, not that I want to keep bringing up random stuff about Appleton, but the Tennessee Titans were in town many years ago. Um, to play the Packers in the in a preseason game, and I was out with my buddy. Um, uh, I don't think we've ever mentioned his real name on the show, but we'll call him Troublemaker El Grande because he's that's his nickname oh, yeah. on my local show no, that I yeah. do here. Yeah. You've met him before, Farrell. You know who he yeah. is. But we he's were out down, downtown Appleton one night. Yes, <laughs> we were out downtown Appleton one night, and we stumbled out of a bar. And who did we run into? Javon Curse and Lendale White just hanging out smoking yeah. cigarettes mm-hmm. right outside the bar. Well, Javon Curse wasn't smoking cigarettes, but Lendale White was. And we, we, we ended up talking to them. They're playing the Packers the next day. And because everybody in, in uh, usually the visiting teams, uh, whoever's playing the Packers, they stay in Appleton, which is about a 25 minute drive southwest of Green Bay here in Northeast Wisconsin. And we're hanging out with them, having a great time um, on uh, the, the night before the Packers beat him in uh, in uh, in a preseason game. So that's that's the Lin- Lindell had a number of bad habits, uh, you know, as, as I recall. So you know that that doesn't surprise me at all. I think you recall correctly, my friend. Let's get to uh, as many emails as we can tonight. Um, a, a, as far as uh, our listeners go, as uh, most of these are dedicated to 2021, so we'll do our best to answer them. The first one is from Ron in Houston, uh, home of Abib Tobo, the uh, back-to-back winner in the FPC. Excuse me. He writes, assuming Zach Ertz is gone from Philly next year, where would you guys look at selecting Dallas Goddard in FFPC draft? Ooh. Happy New Year. That is Ron in Houston. Ron, thank you for the email. So you look at it, Farrell, right now, and with Zach Ertz still gumming up the works in Philly, um, I, I think Goddard is, is sort of like a fringe top 10 tight end. Uh, Zach Ertz is more probably fringe top 20 tight end. But uh, Philadelphia did not seem eager to extend him. They did not seem eager – to make him a member of their organization next year, but Dallas Goddard firmly entrenched in that offense um, in, in, in with Jalen Hurts uh, throwing on the ball going forward. So when you look at let's let's tackle Dallas Goddard first because I think that we can't answer this Hurts question until we know where he's going. But Dallas Goddard in drafts next year, assuming Hurts is gone, I mean, would you look at him in the seventh round? Would you look at him in the sixth round of a football guys or an FFPC main event draft? Hurts doesn't matter. You should look at Goddard. Uh, he'll elevate without Ertz just naturally, but people that aren't looking deep into the situation. I don't think Ertz is going anywhere. He's got he's got twelve point five million uh in twenty twenty, five years at forty two million. I don't think anyone's necessarily going to jump in and and pick that up after the season that he had. I think what's gonna happen is you're gonna see Goddard become a, a the real tight end. Goddard will be the real tight end. And Ertz has been promised to us 
to be largely used as a slot receiver in multiple formations. He's a very, very smart player. He should get his game back together, and he would really be an asset to this team, to a, a quarterback uh, like Hertz who can move with his – I think that if they if that does happen, both of these players become uh, very, very interesting at targets in the middle of the field. Rager and Hightower can stretch the field, uh, independent of whatever Deshaun Jackson does. Uh, Fulgham, I think, has earned himself a position. He'll clear out the middle and settle on the sidelines. That's, that's a guy that when he settles on the sidelines, the quarterback can throw the ball and make sure nobody else can catch it but Fulgham. And if you've looked at that uh, that uh, catching window that he has in those long, long arms, he can be a uh, terrific uh, player in this mix. But the large aspect of the targets are going to go in the middle of the field and they're going to go to Goddard. And they're going to go to Earth, and they're both going to be on the field, and they're both going to be receiving options, which would have worked that way this year without injury and without Carson Wentz and uh, his game falling apart. Farrell, you make a great point here, and I just looked up Zach Ertz's contract, and for everybody like me who thought he was going to be gone next year, think again. This is a cap hit of nearly $12.5 million if the Eagles were to release him next year. And it is a dead cap hip of, of almost $7.8 million. It is not, you know, when you consider the, the, you know, I would say Philadelphia is, is one of the top five teams in the NFL as far as quote unquote salary cap hell. They cannot afford to release him. Ertz is going to be on this team next year and he is going to be catching passes from probably Jalen Hurts as, as we'll, um, we'll explore this over the next few weeks and how Philly is going to handle this. But I think you're right with, with Ertz on this team you got to be um, counting on him being an eagle next year. I'm going to do one more email, um, and I apologize for the rest of the emails we can't get to tonight. I promise you we will get to them next week for sure. But the last email I want to do tonight is from Justin in Belpre, Ohio. He writes, knowing that Drew Brees will be in the booth next year and not on the field, how far are you letting Michael Thomas drop, assuming that he will be catching balls from Taysom Hill? That is Justin in Belpre, Ohio. Justin, thank you so much for the email. Farrell, Michael Thomas and Taysom Hill was interesting this year because we, we saw the good and the bad. We saw him basically hardly targeted at all, but then we saw a couple of weeks where he was heavily targeted and heavily involved and, and well worth a first-round pick as he was getting 20-plus points in those games. But when you consider what the 2021 Saints will look like, how high are you taking Michael Thomas? I mean, certainly you're taking Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams over him. How far are you letting – uh, willing to let him fall in drafts. He's, uh, as far as this draft is concerned, uh, and he's not going to go as far, but he, he's next season's uh, uh, Stefan Diggs. You know, now you take mm. take what, uh, what, uh, Breeze, and, and we're assuming a lot of things about this team, uh, but Breeze and whatever it looks like, I think both quarterbacks participate. When, when Breeze was shelved, uh, he, uh, Thomas caught 30 passes, but no TDs. And that's what happens. Mm. This, this team is too weird with Taysom Hill in the red zone, and they don't have to. They don't have to throw to a receiver to score in the red zone. Thomas is a better uh, between the twenties player anyway. So we're in a situation where uh, to get the utility from wide receivers, with what's going on around the league uh, with your top draft picks, you've got to have those touchdowns. You've got to have those touchdowns from. Uh, from Adams and, and uh, to get into the first round, from Tyreek Hill to be an early second rounder. This is this uh, Thomas is is going to drop like a rock in our drafts, and and whoever takes him will be a brave man because they'll be betting that the touchdowns are going to return. The catches will be there. Farrell, uh, uh, this was tremendous uh, hanging out with you tonight here on the um, well the the eve of the eve of uh, 2021 mm-hmm. as we get ready to kiss 2020 goodbye look forward to bigger and better things in 2021 now i know you were an nfl player agent and um i know you've been chomping at the bit to try to put your total focus on scouting future clients in this oklahoma florida mm-hmm. cotton bowl game that's going on as we record the show right now as i've had <laughs> one eye on it for for dynasty purposes uh, clearly um so i'm going to let you go listen man I uh, can't thank you enough for being a great host in 2020 and uh, can't wait to uh, host a bevy 
of uh, podcasts with you uh, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour in 2021. I wish you the happiest of New Year's, and we will talk to you again next Friday, dude. Happy New Year to you, Valky. We'll see you after the weekend. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him on Twitter at Elliott. You follow his contest, which I participate in, Balky Stamp of Approval, KFFSC.com. I uh, can't wait to get the rookie drafts cranked up uh, there uh, for my dynasty leagues, as well as all the best balls and all the drafts that will be going on shortly there. KFFSC.com is where to check that out. That is uh, going to complete tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and I want to thank, wow, got a lot of people to thank tonight. Steve Lisko, Matt Walters, Rick Victor, Brian Winters, Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and you for tuning in live on this Wednesday night, the eve of the eve of the new year. Uh, remember to check out, it's going to be posted, rotaviz.com slash podcast, early Thursday morning on New Year's Eve. Abib Agbatova, maybe the most important interview I've ever done in the high-stakes space. That is coming out early. The back-to-back overall champion of the Football Guys Players Championship had a ball, uh, ball uh, talking to him. He was a lot of fun to talk to and very insightful as well. So make sure you listen to that, rotovez.com slash podcast. Um, as a reminder, too, you can register for fantasy football isn't over, people. Just because we're going into week 17 doesn't mean your fantasy football is done for the season. Go register for the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge for the Football Guys Playoff Challenges today. MyFFPC.com is where to register for those. We will be back next Friday. We'll get on our normal Friday schedule, 10, 9 central. And who will we be talking to? The 2020 Football Guys Players Championship runners up. That's right. The guys who finished right behind Abib Agbatova, the $30,000 winners, Andrew Burrows and Larry Bent, will be on the program next Friday. I want to wish each and every one of you a happy new year. Welcome to 2021. It's great. Enjoy week 17. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. As a reminder, if you're checking out the music heard on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, FrederickTheYounger.com, QuietHollers.com is where to check out all the music. I know I own a bevy of it uh, in my uh, iPhone that I listen to many times traveling the, uh, the mean streets of Appleton, Wisconsin, which is where Lawrence University is. Can't believe we got four graduates from Lawrence on the show tonight. And if you ever get a chance uh, to uh, pop into Northeast Wisconsin, make sure you do it in late August uh, and uh, attend the mile of music where you can see bands like Frederick the Younger, Quiet Hollers, and uh, maybe run into guests uh, of the show like Steve Liska, like Matt Walters, like Brian Winters, like Rick Victor. Uh, awesome to talk to those guys. Enjoy week 17 as much as you can. I know it's not great for fantasy, but hopefully you're all gearing up for the world famous FFPC playoff challenge. Talk to everybody in 2021. Thanks for listening.